Welcome to Intimacy Play, a podcast by Pleasy Play. We host open discussions with world-leading experts on couples, sex, and intimacy, so you can build a more exciting, fun, and intimate relationship. I'm your host, Michaela Silva. So hello, everyone. Good morning or good afternoon, whenever you're listening to us. Today, we are talking to a very interesting guest. Today, I welcome Andrew G. Marshall. So Andrew is a writer, a marital therapist, and a podcast host of The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm very well. Nice to meet you. And today, Andrew is going to give us amazing insights on how to talk to your partner about sex without having a discussion, how to communicate better, above all, just how communication is a pillar into intimacy in relationships. By the way, do you agree in this with this statement? Do you think that communication is the pillar of the relationship? Most definitely, because even if we like different things, um, if we can communicate, we can find a way through those issues. The great problem is when we come together at the very beginning, we're full of love and limerence. That's the crazy part of falling in love. And sex is really easy because you're 100% focused on the other person. And because at that crazy moment, you feel they understand everything about you and everything is possible, you launch into this sex, which is really wonderful. And the problem is that that can sometimes be sort of a sex that both of you like, but actually there are other things that you both individually like as well as these things. But once you've got past that initial excitement, it becomes very difficult to talk about sex. Now, if you've been together for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, you're probably not still wearing the same clothes you're not still wearing, going to the same restaurants or going on the same holidays, but you're probably having the same sex. Because if you actually say, I'd like to talk about our sex life, your partner is most probably going to say, what's the matter with it? Or are you having an affair? So you don't say anything. And then the problems get bigger and bigger. And you get to the point where another five years later, you arrive at my room and you are in crisis. So if you can talk about sex, you can actually deal with all of these things. And actually, the most important sex organ of them all, do you know what it is? It's the brain. Hmm. Because the thing about humans is that we tell ourselves stories, we put all sorts of images, we make love not just with our bodies, but with our imaginations, with our brains, with our tongues, with our mouths, we talk at the same time. So communication is incredibly important. And if you can't communicate in the bedroom, that's going to be a problem. And if actually you avoid difficult subjects outside the bedroom, you're, not going, to, you're going to bring those difficult problems actually into the bedroom. Because, you know, if you're angry and resentful, generally, it doesn't make for very good sex. Yes, I know. It's only in the movies, right? That angry sex is good. Well, you know, I think, you know, once in a, a blue moon, makeup <laughs> sex is, you know, can be quite hot. But I don't think you want to make that the basis of your love life. I completely agree. And just so you know, I mean, I've been married for uh, over 10 years. Well, I'm with my husband for over uh, 13 years. So I get what you're saying and how communicating is the pillar of making sure that you evolve. I feel that we are so much happier now than we were 13 years ago, just because we communicate and we say what we want and what we don't want. But when it comes to communicating in the early stages of a relationship, like you were saying and you were suggesting, what are some of the first mistakes that people make and they shouldn't? Well, 
I think we try as much as possible to become the ideal lover for our partner. And we can be so focused on what it is that they like and trying to make them happy. Um, and it's okay, giving is a wonderful part of sex, but you also have to receive. And the problem is if you're always giving is you're always saying to your partner, you know, is this nice? Do you like this? Give me more feedback. And, you know, that could be rather sort of exhausting. Somebody always saying, you know, hold up a show card to tell me what score I've got. We become, I think this is one of the great problems, and I will potentially, I'll explain why later. We are very, very focused on technique when it comes to sex. Um, and we think, you know, we have to be a good lover. But actually, what we have to do to have great sex is to bring ourselves in there. And so, you know, you have to actually be in yourself, actually enjoying the sensations at the end of your fingers, enjoying the touch, rather than forever trying to please your partner. And two people trying to please each other often sort of ends up going nowhere. And it's sort of much better to be much more honest explain what you like, show what you like, take it in turns to give and receive, rather than just not really being quite certain who the touch is for. You know, is this touch for you that um, you've said, actually, what would really turn me on at the moment would be to stroke my back and to sort of really get in between the vertebrae. That would really relax me into a sensual mood. And you say, you know, can, um, and if so, if I ask you, how what, how would you like me to touch you? And you say, and you explain that I would be doing the giving and you would be doing the receiving. And, you know, in that kind of place, we could begin to communicate about that. You know, would you like me to do it a bit firmer, a bit lighter? Um, but we know what who the touch is for. And obviously, we can swap round again. And then you can say to me, how would you like how would you like me to touch you? And I would say, well, actually, I love having my feet played with, you know, could you play with my feet, for example? So we're in a simple giving and receiving. Now, the other one is called taking and allowing. Now, this has got to be within the circle of consent. But with taking, we, it's very important that who the touch is for. And despite the fact that this is possibly the only place that you can do this kind of touching in a loving relationship, because you can do giving and receiving in a in an osteopath. You know, they say, how do you need to be touched? I need my back working out. And they're not getting any pleasure out of it. They're just giving a service and I'm receiving it. But with taking and allowing, I would say, can I touch your hand, for example? And I would be touching your hand in a way that gave me pleasure because our fingertips are full of sensuality. The problem is we spend all day using them as tools. You know, I'm picking up a pen now and I'm going to write myself a note. I'm not using my hand as a sensual tool. I'm using it to write with, but we can actually switch it on. And I've now got a glass of water, which is nice and cool. And actually, as I feel it, I can feel the cool sensation of the glass and it's uh, rather, and it's got little bumps on it. And I can actually sensually move my hand around the glass and actually feel the sensual pleasure of it. So who is the touch for? Well, it's not, I'm not 
I'm not touching up the glass to make it feel good. The touch is for me. So in taking and allowing, I would say, for example, can I touch your hand? And you would say, hopefully, yes. Um, and as long as, you know, I've checked out that you don't have any arthritis or something like that in your hand, that it would be unpleasurable. I would actually do what I found pleasurable. So, you know, I might enjoy the length of your fingers, for example. The touch would be for me. And unless we can communicate and actually think about what is it that I want, where are we going to be? Are we going to be in taking allowing, which people feel it's terribly um, greedy to just take and enjoy the touch. But what often happens is when I'm enjoying touching your hand, for example, and I'm really in it because I'm doing what feels absolutely delicious for me, you know, I'm perhaps, as I say, enjoying the length of your fingers and how soft your fingers are, and maybe just the way that your cuticles move around there. That might be an interesting place for me to touch. When I'm actually in it and really enjoying it, the weird thing is, although it's for me, because I'm truly there and truly in my fingers and the touch, it is absolutely brilliant for you as well. And then we move backwards and forwards. So it's really important to know who the touch is for and be able to talk about this. I mean, I think I've moved on to something that is much more for couples that have been together for a while. Um, and you can begin to understand these exercises. But um, at the beginning, if you are not actually saying what it is that you like, you cannot do the easy one, which is the giving and receiving. Um, you can't actually ask, would you play with my feet? Because you are th thinking, will they still like me if they realize I like my feet played with? I mean, you know, we are full of fear at the beginning of a relationship. So, you know, we don't confess that actually, you know, having my feet played with is something that I like. Um, and if you don't say that, then how's your partner going to know? But you really do have to fess up and talk about these things and say what it is you like. Um, rather than, and this is the thing with all talking about sex, you have to be specific. You can't just say, I like it when you worship me, because I don't know what that means. If you say, can you play with my feet? And, you know, I, I sort of know what that is. And I can actually ask, you know, how firm um, do you want me to do? Would you like me to wash them, for example? You know, that's a nice, a nice game. So, you have to be honest at the beginning. You can't just allow yourself to feel because we love each other, it'll all be fine. That's the biggest mistake you can make. Interesting. You touched upon so many interesting subjects. One of them was, you know, you were saying that it's hard, especially in the beginning, to say what you want. But you were giving strategies and tools. So I know you have five strategies for good communication uh, during sex or during a relationship. Could you explain what these are and how can people use them? Right. Number one is don't talk about sex in the bedroom. That mm. is my 100% important thing. Because if you talk in the bedroom, it can become a post-match analysis. Um, and so it can become very easily, you did this wrong. Or if you're talking about it in the bedroom, um, there's the implicit idea that we're now going to play with my feet. 
Whereas if we're having that around the kitchen table, we can talk about it and we can think about it without the other person feeling under pressure to start playing with my feet, which might happen if you're in the bedroom. So don't talk about sex in the bedroom. So that takes the pressure out of it. It takes the pressure out of it, either that it's going to turn into post-match analysis or, you know, it's now going to be setting into a shopping list that I've got to fill now without any chance to discuss and think about. Please don't talk about sex after you've had a row because um, it's going to infuse that. Um, one person is going to be playing nice, possibly, um, to try and you know get out of the row. And so they might agree to things they don't really want to agree to 100%. So you know, make a time to talk about sex. Tonight, let's, um, let's, let's do, and I've got a, an exercise that we could do that would help us break the ice to talk about sex. It's one when they train sex therapists that they do, and that um, they ask everybody to come up with as many names for male genitalia and female genitalia as possible. And, you know, within about two seconds, you began to get to just ludicrously funny ones. Um, and... You know, you can have the ones that, you know, you had from childhood about what uh, your parents called your your private parts. Um, and, you know, you can have the sort of ones from porn. You can have the ones from romantic novels where you get daggers and shields and um, and all these other kind of things. And you sort of relax and laugh a little bit. The other big tip I would give is concentrate on the positives. Don't say, I don't like this. So you don't say, oh, I hate it when you rush into it. What you say is the opposite, which is, I love it when you take your time. Now, they might have only taken their time once in the last 300 years, but that's the time we're going to talk about. So they don't feel attacked, right? They feel that you are complimenting on something that you want them to do more. Yeah. The problem is we're all incredibly insecure people. And when it comes to sex, you know, it's the hardest subject in the world to talk about. We think it's going to be really easy with our partners because, you know, we know them and we love them. But, the, you know, it's much easier to talk to me or to you or to random strangers in the street and your friends and your partner. Your partner is the hardest person to talk about sex with. So, you know, they're going to be really frightened. You know, perhaps even if you say, let we want to talk about, uh, let's talk about sex this evening, you know, they're going to arrive with their hearts in their mouths. You know, this is, they're not coming probably with excitement. So there is, if, if something that is negative comes up, write it on a piece of paper and you can talk about it another time. So I've got sort of four things that you do when you, you start talking about sex. The first one is you dream. So let's think about the times that we had sex together that was really lovely and beautiful. Do you remember that time on our honeymoon when we did ABC? And do you talk about it in as much detail as possible to bring back those lovely memories? Um, you know, you dream about how you would like it to be. And what if that, let's say there's a couple that hasn't had that, you know, special time, but they really want to achieve that. Would it be okay to say, this is something that I've seen, or this is something that I imagine, this is something that I would like to try. Would that be okay? 
Yeah, exactly. We're dreaming. This, this is we're just at the blue sky thinking stage. At this point, we're not saying, you know, I want and I must have this. And if you don't give me this, I'm leaving you. <laughs> we're not at that place. We're just dreaming of, you know, what would be really nice. You know, we might we're back to back to what I enjoy or what I've seen or you know. Do you remember that scene in X Y Z movie um, where they had sex on the beach? You know, I've always wondered what would it be like to have sex on the beach. You know, so we're just dreaming at this point, um, and we don't actually have to do it, but we're just dreaming. Your example. I'm so sorry, but I I just think about Sandburn. But yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it might not. It might not be your idea of a good time, but you know, you just have to come up with, you know, what it is that you quite like the idea of. It might be that um, um, you would much rather go to a lake and make love on the dock at midnight. I don't know what it is, but let's sort of dream about it. And even if, like we've just done just now. You know, I've said about sand, um, and you, you're saying, actually, um, I'm worried about the sand burn. Then, but we can try and build on this because what I've said is, well, actually, outside that um, the beach might not be the only place. And if you don't want sand, well, you know, how do you feel about the rocks, or how do you feel about grass by a by a you know, in the garden sort of kind of thing, or what about um, lover's lane in the car sort of kind of thing. And so we're taking that idea of doing it somewhere different and we're running with that. You know, we're not, we're not blocking, we're going yes and. Yes, I love the idea of making love outside and I wonder what it would be like to do it Boom, 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 boom. So try as much as possible in this dream section to go for yes and, not yes but. Love it. Makes sense. We're not, we, we, at this point, we're just dreaming that, you know, nobody, we haven't got to the point where you've signed, signed in blood that you're going to do it. We're just dreaming. And then when you've actually got this, in particular, if you've got these wonderful times that the two of you made love and that was absolutely wonderful. Um, I'd like you to just discover. I mean, I don't know if you would, would you mind sharing a time that um, that you particularly enjoyed? So we could use that as an example to to for me to ask a few questions to explain for discover. Well, I don't usually share my own examples, but I'm happy to say that, um, you know, my particular case is is like exactly what you're saying. So, you know, along the years, I've I've managed to actually effectively communicate. So I feel that my intimate life is so much better than it was, I don't know how many years ago, because we do share and we say, you know, have you tried this? I'm not sure I want that. So let's try something else. And we've built upon that. And there are so many things that I didn't think I would enjoy and I do, and vice versa. Other things that I thought would be amazing, but apparently eh, maybe not. Well, let's let's. You can just imagine at this precise moment um, back to one of those things that you discovered that you did enjoy. So, what, what? And you don't have to answer this, but I'm just giving you the questions. What was it that was actually so pleasurable about that? It was the fact that we were able to communicate about that, and we were able to experiment. So right. I was feeling. 
in a vulnerable place where my partner was trying something that I said I was interested in and I was happy to be trying it. So it wasn't really the fact that, you know, the actual thing was, was pleasurable, but the fact that I was feeling in a state of mind where, you know, he listened to me and we are in that kind of relationship where we can talk about things. So, you know, what seems to me is that the subject of trust and vulnerability were really interesting there. You know, there was something about trusting and there's something about making yourself vulnerable that really worked. Um, and that, so what could you take? And once again, you don't have to answer this, but what could you take from that experience of trust and vulnerability that you could actually build on to use in the future? So, you know, we would then, if I was your partner, we would then start thinking about trust and vulnerability and what we could do. This is in the in the sort of discover. We've discovered perhaps that that is something interesting. And then we can think about how we could possibly do something more along those lines. So when you go into it, you need to get into the details to discover what works. So, you know, what might work was the fact that you were away and the kids were out of the way. And so, you know, we've just suddenly remembered, we've learned something important. If we're going to do some um, erotic journey together, probably packing the kids off somewhere else might be a good idea. So, by going into the discovery stage, we've dreamed and then we've discovered and we've looked in detail, we can then begin to go to the next stage, which is design. We can begin to design how we could do this differently. Um, and then finally, we get through to the deliver stage. And, you know, so um, we need to get this piece of... <laughs> equipment or this, um, we need to have um, this fabric or whatever it is, and we need to get rid of the kids on this occasion. And so you can then begin to deliver it. So first of all, you dream, then you discover, then you design, and then you deliver all the Ds. It seems to me like the first four are almost like foreplay, even even though they're not in the bedrooms, because you are preparing yourself, like you were saying, with the with the most sexual organ in our body, which is the brain. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that that's correct? Yeah, yeah. And you know, this this conversation is going to be fun. We're enjoying talking about this. I can see your your mind going click, 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 thinking back to that particular moment. Um, and you're, we're in a very creative place when we just concentrate on the positives. The minute I say, well, it doesn't work when you do X, you get what? You get defensive exactly. or you go on the attack. And, you know, this creative space that we've designed so that we can talk about sex has disappeared. Completely. No, I, I, get, I get what you're saying and I love it because you're providing so many interesting and direct tools that everybody that's listening can can use them in their own sexuality in their own relationships even if they're you know a new in a new relationship or in a long-term one yeah because um but please if you are if you're in a new relationship please can you not talk about previous lovers we don't really need them in the bedroom so you know this is just about you. So, you know, if you say, you know, I've discovered I like my feet being played with, we don't want to know that it was Jeffrey or Selena that helped you learn how beautiful your feet were. Because um, the minute we know that, they've suddenly arrived in our bedroom. And, you know, we don't want them there, thank you. And if the other person keeps pushing to know how they found out, should the person answer or not really? 
I would say, why do you really want to know? Hmm, that'll just make me more intrigued. If the other person's saying, you know, I don't really want to answer your question, I'll be like, hmm, what are you hiding? What should I be knowing? Well, I would want to know why you want to know. Is it because you are frightened? Um, is it that um, you want reassurance that it's you that I love? If I know what it is, the reason why you want to do this, I might be able to help you with it. But I don't think actually really you want their name and address. There's something else <laughs> you're after if you're, if you're wanting to know this information. So let's see if I can help you with this. I mean, you know, if you really, really want to know, um, I suppose I would tell you, but what's the point? And is it going to improve our lovemaking? And is there going to be a cost to it? You know, let's talk about it. You know, when it comes to sex, slow down the communication because, you know, we're so anxious, we want to get this done and dusted in five minutes. I mean, most people in their whole relationship, if you put together back to back all the times they've been talked to each other about sex, you know, you're probably up only about up to 15 minutes in 15 years um, because we try and get through it as incredibly quickly as possible. And if you want to, you know, if you want to have a good sex relationship, you do need to be able to talk about it and talk about it a lot. Love it. I'm I'm almost speechless thinking about so many so many scenarios and you know questions that we have from our community. And I love the fact that you've written over 20 books. And in one of the books, which is Have the Sex You Want, a couple's guide to getting back the spark, you outline a few skills. And one of them is making peace with your body. How do you go about this? Because I feel it, it has a connection with everything, you know, to communicate, to feel at peace with yourself, to know what you want and to be happy with yourself before you can be happy with your partner. It is incredibly difficult. And um, I always tell a story about the difference between doing workshops in England and doing them in Germany. I now live in Berlin. And the big difference is if you want to get people in a workshop naked in England, you have to design, you know, you have to do it after about five days together. You have to design a ritual where they slowly undress each other. Um, and, you know, they're probably not going to want to come to this workshop because, you know, it's just too challenging. I've been in workshops in, in Germany where they say this is a clothes optional space and half the people start taking their clothes off and they say, please don't take your clothes off yet. <sighs> okay. And the, mo the, the most wonderful thing about the Germans, the Germans, you know, they get naked at the drop of a hat, is that you see when you go, I'm, I live, as I say, in Berlin and in the summer, everybody goes to the lakes around Berlin. And, you know, most of them will have a naked area. And you, after five minutes, you sort of stop noticing that people are naked. And, you know, you stop worrying about, you know, does my stomach look too big and whatever. And you start actually enjoying your body the body your body is there to enjoy a swim it's not there to be ranked in some order from the most luscious to the least luscious and unfortunately that one of the reasons we're so body conscious is because we never see other bodies um, beyond porn star bodies which are 
just ludicrous bodies, so to speak. They've either been chemically enhanced, uh, so no, surgically enhanced, or they've chosen, you know, the, the most gorgeous people with the most spectacular genitals um, from all over the world. And so you just get an entirely unusual attitude. So, you know, I would say go to a naked beach because it gets away this idea that sex and beautiful bodies go together. What really is most exciting is if somebody's actually physically there and comfortable in themselves. That's the horniest and the sexiest thing. You know, having the right size waist um, and the breasts hanging at exactly the right angle and the nipples being in the right place, you know, that's... That's a, that's a, that's nothing. You know, what counts is that you're physically there and you can't be physically there if you're thinking about all of those things. So, I mean, everybody's going to hate me, but I would say my number one tip would be become more like the Germans. Interesting. And is there like a step before that? So I'm assuming, or maybe I'm assuming wrong, but that a lot of our listeners will say, oh, that's too much for me. You know, I'd never go to a nudist beach or lake or whatever. No. So how can I love my body more? Well, I would first of all say stop watching porn because um, I think that encourages you to look at other people and to be rating them and judging them like that. Um, I think you've actually got to have the full length mirror. You know, you've actually got to look at yourself. Um, and it's a long journey, but it's actually you rate your body on how well it looks after you. You know, I rate my body in the, the fact that, you know, I can cycle around Berlin. I can now, because I've been doing stretching exercises, touch my toes. I'm 61. I couldn't touch my toes when I was eight or nine because, you know, I hadn't been shown properly how to do it. Um, so I just thought I could naturally do it. Um, so that I appreciate my body for what it can do rather than what it looks like. And I, I think that is a, a really difficult thing to do. Um, you know, if I could change one thing in the world, it would make to be make women more comfortable in their bodies. But that's not my task. Um, you know, I think that's something that women have to to do. And I think that men have to be aware that they're having the same, you know, they're having the same rubbish foisted on them, that they have to have the right kind of pecs and the, the right washboard stomach. And sex is not about that. It's about what you actually bring of yourself, not how buff you are. So looking at yourself and understanding that your body is your body and it does amazing things for you. So accepting that it is like that and accepting doesn't mean you're saying it's bad. It just means, you know, this is what I have. This is what I have to use. Why not like it? I like that. Yeah, we've got to work. We've got to work with what we've got. We have to start with where we are. There's no point standing there saying, I wish I was in Timbuktu. I'm in Berlin and I have to work with Berlin. You know, you're in Portugal, you have to work with Portugal. Um, there's great things about both of those places. And let's celebrate those rather than wishing we were in Timbuktu. Of course, we can always try and work on things that we might want to improve, but that's, you know, secondary, I would say. Yeah, but let's work on things like suppleness because, you know, that's going to be... and and um, stamina and all those other things are going to be useful when it comes to making love, 
you know, if you're, if, you know, strengthening your back so you don't get, you, you don't find a particular position difficult, you know, let's actually focus on things that are going to be useful rather than trying to get your stomach a certain size. Yes, of course, completely, completely. So that's a hard subject, you know, talking about your body and making peace with it. Another hard subject is how to communicate about fantasies. You know, I believe that most people say almost everyone has a fantasy, whatever, whatever that is. So how can you communicate with your partner? Do you have any tips how to make it easier? Right. Well, I think that um, we have to reclaim the idea of fantasies from the kink end of the spectrum. So we tend to immediately think of fantasies. We're going to, we're going to have a huge amount of equipment. We... Um, uh, a huge amount of specialist clothes, um, and we're at um, at that end of it. But actually, quite a lot of what I've been talking about today is about fantasy as well. So you know, we've we've been talking about trust and submission, for example, or trust and and letting yourself go. Um, that has a fantasy element to it. Um, making love on the beach has a fantasy element about it. Remembering how things were beforehand. A lot of people actually fantasize about their partner, but they fantasize about their partner being really turned on or being fantasized about their partner when they first came together and that look on their face, you know, when X, Y, Z happened. So let's first of all say it's a very broad spectrum. And I think what's really helpful for fantasies is to understand that people generally fall into three different categories when it comes to styles of making love. The first one is partner-focused. So all the fantasies and all the sex is very much partner-focused. So they, these people like to look into your eyes. They like to say, I love you and um, have romantic talk and everything centering around the love that you have for each other. The next one is called trance. And these people like to um, go into the sensation. So um, they often, it will start outwards, but it'll end up inwards. And they're going into a world where it might be shapes and colors that they're thinking about, but they're really going into their bodies and they're going into a trance, a sort of meditative state. Um, and that's another way of, of doing and so the fantasies there might be less specific you if if you're into trance you're not going to want somebody chatting and saying i love you and you know because you want to to sink into the moment and the sensation um and you might most probably want sort of rhythmical movements and you might want some sort of um relaxing music and you know these kind of things will be um will be really important to you. And then the third kind we have is the creative play, which is the sort of things that people classically think about um, when it comes to fantasies. Um, and different people have different ways of doing it. And so I think, actually, first of all, saying there's no right or wrong kind of fantasy um, I think we live in a very judgmental world where there are some acceptable fantasies and some unacceptable fantasies. And yes, um, you know, there does come a point where it becomes illegal, but um, and and impossible sometimes. You know, you know, it's you can't 
um, you can't make love on Mars with a creature with five heads. But you know, if that's the fantasy, then you can you can play with that fantasy. You can imagine it, right? You can imagine it. You know, the idea that just because I come up with this fantasy of a of a creature with five heads that we've then got to do it. Um, you know, we could just do something that approaches that or has something in in that. I mean, I know somebody who um, likes to fantasize about being somebody of a of a different gender, and they imagine an energy penis, um, and they play with that imagination. And you know that there are no ends to different fantasies that, but they don't have to be literal. But I think understanding whether you're partner focused, your trance or whether your creative play actually helps you to articulate these and you don't actually get into my fantasies better than your fantasy kind of scenarios. And what you can also do is find ways of trading. So, you know, I'll give you your fantasy on one occasion and you can give me mine and you can find the places where the fantasies join together because, you know, if you put some of the dressing up fantasies onto partner fantasy. So we've got creative play and the partner feeling particularly adored because they're wearing these beautiful clothes. Um, you could be able to get the two together in that way, but you need to be able to talk about it in a non-judgmental way. In my book, I explain these three different types, where they come from, and there's a quiz in there. So you can do that together. I sometimes do it with clients and it allows them to begin to start talking about their sex in a in a different way because we've sort of broken the we've broken the taboo of talking about fantasies and then they can begin to think about how they could use fantasy a bit more um, and we've stopped fantasy belonging to the kink end of the world which is not what everybody enjoys yes i think that's very important because a fantasy can be you know anything something that somebody's dreaming of like, like we were talking in the beginning so yes you know let's take it let's take out that from the end of the spectrum, make sure that everybody can have access to it and try it and talk about it. You have a very good podcast. It's actually great. Uh, that's called The Meaningful Life with Andrew G. Marshall. Can couples use your podcast in order to improve the relationship? I think so. There are some um, that are specifically about sex. For example, I have one in the in the series, which is by Slave Phil, talks about the master-slave lifestyle. I listened to that one. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, and we're looking at power and submission, not just in the bedroom, but how it works in the office and the difference between this kind of relationship and a mainstream relationship. And because I'm always making general points, we look at um, the ways that people in this lifestyle communicate and if there are ideas that other people can use, because the rules are very clear in this world, whereas often in the mainstream world, the rules are unwritten and unclear. Um, so you can actually listen to something like that and then discuss it together afterwards. Um, I have one at the moment that's up called um, Stop Living the Professional Life and Start Living the Authentic Life. And we, in this one, we talk about the issue of 
the way out is through. And so what that means, and it's very relevant for, for sex, is generally if there's a difficult subject, we tend to avoid it. When it comes to sex, you know, we much rather just keep the peace. But actually, if you go into it and really go deep into the fact that, you know, I want creative play and you want partner focused, we can actually, when we go deep enough, we can find a way through because we can find a place where those two things come together. So that would be a, a druid that gave me this particular idea. But, you know, you could actually listen to the program together, discuss it and see what ideas are in it that would be useful for you. Um, so I think it can improve your relationship and it can also improve your personal development um, as well, because the better you know yourself, the better lover you will be, because I think the, the lesson is the more you bring of yourself into the bedroom, um, the better it is. And if you don't know yourself, it's rather difficult to bring all of yourself into the bedroom. I was going to say that. I think that your podcast really helps with personal development and knowledge. So even if it's not for me, what I'm listening to, I'm more willing to understand it and to accept it because I have heard somebody talk about it and I can see that it's not taboo, that it's something that's normal, like with the the Slave Phil episode. Maybe it's not for me, but that doesn't matter. It matters is, you know, there are people that love it, enjoy it, and that's completely understandable and amazing. So, I mean, that one that actually isn't about sex, which is the mother-daughter wound, um, um, actually, you could use that to think about sex as well, because generally, um, women who are not comfortable with their bodies had mothers who weren't comfortable with their bodies. And, you know, if you're not comfortable with your body, you're likely to pass it on to your children as well. Um, one of the reasons why I can go to a naked um, lake in Berlin is my parents would walk from their bedroom to the bathroom naked. They didn't feel that it was necessary to put a towel over themselves. And that was an incredible gift to me because, you know, uh, that the idea that, you know, you have to cover up your body, you know, we never went to naked beaches or anything else like that, but they were just comfortable be with being naked in front of us. And that was a, a gift. So even a topic like the mother-daughter wound can get you thinking about, you know, what wounds there are impacting on my relationship. And, you know, you might also be able to be a little bit kinder to your partner because they might have a, a mother wound or a father wound too. So, you know, you could, after that one, have really quite an interesting discussion about you know, the good things and the not so good things you've inherited from your parents. Certainly. I, mean, I could stay here all day talking to you, Andrew, but because we don't have all day, I'm going to ask you our final question. This is something that we ask everybody and everybody has a different answer. And that's why I love um, making sure that this is the closing question. And that is, how do you keep your relationship open, exciting and intimate? So what, what is the best feedback that you can give to anybody that's listening to make sure that they improve their relationship? I think it's the one that I've already mentioned, go through the problem rather than try and avoid it. That, um, you know, if there is a problem, 
generally not talking about and ignoring it doesn't work. I mean, we've tried it to destruction and we just know it doesn't work. So the difficulty, stay with it, talk about it, and don't think that we're going to either do my way or your way. If you talk for long enough with that yes and attitude we mentioned later, you generally tend to find a third way. So it's not my way or your way or the highway. It's your way or my way or maybe we can find a third way if we keep talking long enough. So go through rather than ignore would be my number one tip. I love that. Again, it's it's very different than what everybody else has given, but it, it touches on the same point, which is communication. Andrew, where can everybody follow you? I know you have a great Twitter account. Yep. On, I'm Andrew G. Marshall on Twitter. I'm on Facebook as well, where I think I'm Andrew G. Marshall Therapy um, there. The, I have the website www.andrewgmarshall.com. If you put forward slash podcasts, you'll get to all of the uh, podcasts. Um, please um, subscribe to it. <laughs> where, where else? I'm on Goodreads as well. You can read the books that I read. Um, I think I might be on LinkedIn too. I'm always Andrew G. Marshall. Amazing. So everybody that's listened to us, I'm sure you've loved Andrew G. Marshall's advice. I've learned so much, like I always do. Um, so please follow Andrew and anything that you need. You know, we're here for you until next time. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you. And that was Intimacy Play. We hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about Pleasy and how we can take your relationship to the next level, visit pleasyplay.com. Then also make sure to search for Intimacy Play in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found, and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Pleasy, thank you for listening.